It is September the 10th, 2020 to 2022. I'm Chris, and this is <laughs> the future of photography. <laughs> Not the past. The future of photography. See, that's that's what happens when I'm when I'm, when I'm gone for a few weeks. It just yeah. falls apart into pieces. Jeremiah, how I are you understand. Today? <laughs> uh, okay, we are uh, experiencing a rather warm uh, beginning of fall here in September. In September, Los Angeles has been very hot. I heard about uh, that. Our first hot, hot day. Yeah. yeah, we ours uh, we have we've had rain for a few days now. Yay! Finally. Yeah, we had rain yesterday, a hurricane up from Mexico, Hurricane K, which in Venice here was a pretty much of a drizzle, but our trees liked it. So Was was that the type of rain that makes the air really like a steam bath, like a Turkish steam bath, or was it you know, the rain uh, that cools you down? No, it's not a rain that seems to... I mean, we've dropped from the 90s to the 80s, so it did have some effect, but uh, it was unusually humid. Um, for California, which is generally mm -hmm. dry. So, um, and my office, which rarely needs any air conditioning, uh, does not have any. And so <laughs> you'll hear a little extra background noise because all the windows are open. Uh, and uh, it's pretty much, it's pretty hot in here. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to do some filtering so it doesn't sound too loud. Um, Let's yeah, put this way. I was going to do some printing uh, this week, but it's way too humid to print the, you know, fine Do you print. see an effect there on the print? Well, the paper uh, tends to curl more, so you get some edge True. issues. I mean, you know, I don't have to print them th today. I'll wait till it kind of flattens out. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, humidity and paper, of course. That does have an influence for sure. Yeah, last time I was here on the show was <clears throat> before I did my my Eastern European photo road trip thing, my my scouting tour to uh, Prague and to Budapest and to Transylvania. Transylvania, fact, Transylvania. Transylvania. <laughs> hey, and we had we had temperatures around ninety ninety plus. Um, yeah. It was dry though, nice and dry, but hot. So thank God for air conditioning in the car because I was doing. Two and a half thousand miles in ten days, uh, so it was. Yeah, it was good. It was a good experience. It was a a good proof of concept that this tour uh, is gonna work. I'll. Uh, so uh, I have some new gear that I can talk about, which course. very very interesting gear, and effectively you guys are are looking at it. Oh I have oh oh! You had your eyes, eyes done. You had your eyes done. Are both of them now? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I don't quite need the glasses. I mean, it's almost the same. Did but, they replace but, um, the lenses in the, in the eyes? Yeah, they're completely replaced. All right, and they're and they're fine. You're more than fine. They're um, dazzling. Twenty twenty dazzling. I mean, certainly or twenty twenty five ish. I mean, they're still settling down. Yeah, you course. know what I mean. It would be another month before they okay they land, but. Two questions. First question: um, Are there any things that now that you can see them much better scare you more because you hadn't really seen them clearly in years? Or <laughs> I find myself looking at the I, I find myself looking at the blue flame of the oven <laughs> a little too intensely. Like okay. wow! All right, wow. and that's or, and and that's the second color. question. The second question: color because. 
because significant one, difference. One thing I heard is that uh, lenses, like artificial lenses, let through more infrared. No, uh, ultraviolet. It's UV Ultra, that they let through well, more. Everything is bluer. But everything is bluer. Okay. Um, cooler slightly. When I had yeah. one eye done, the other eye was like a nice warm filter. So I yeah. flipped my eyes and go from warm to cool. When I asked the surgeon, I said, well, what's the true, you know, there's no true color. It's all what the brain processes. But uh, he said, no, these lenses uh, will uh, enable you to see the way uh, one would see when one was born. Like, <laughs> and of course, your out. brain will, after a few weeks, compensate for it anyway. So whatever is weird will be normal again. Yeah, it's not even that weird. It's just different. I always thought I had red bougainvillea, but it turns out they're kind of more purpley, if that <laughs> gives you an Whoops. indication. <laughs> is cool. Which is significant. I mean, everything, greens look pretty much the same, but they're, they're, for someone like myself, who is especially coming out of what I've just finished, a lot of very intense color effect uh, of my show. And it will be very interesting for me to take another close look at it and go like, oh my God, everything's so cold or everything's overly compensated. I don't know. So so um, I, I, had a, I had a weird thing. Um, I might have told it on the show before, but uh, with 23, I think, um, I had a condition with my eyes where my eyes wanted to oh, yeah, go cross-eyed, but they, they couldn't. Yeah, and you had to wear these and I had these, the, they're not flipped out like prism, uh, uh, pr prism glasses that would yeah. add color fringing to the edges of uh, contrasty borders, which went away for weeks after I started wearing them. And when I then, after the, the operation, I took them off. That was, that was really like half a year, three quarters of a year later. I took them off and then the fringing was inverted. And it took my brain four weeks to... Get rid yeah. of it, and it's it's and this is not just a color filter. This is like detailed, intricate fringes at things that move and so on. And the brain just the brain just went up, gone now. Four weeks. Well, that's the process of kind of uh, adapting is what I'm going through yeah. right now because uh, it's been only a week and a half since I did one of the you know sure. the other eye, sure. uh, and it's but it's very very exciting um, and um, uh, you know. It's great. Now I see basically like because I got to choose the lenses. I think I, I mentioned that to you. In oh, other no, words, you I, didn't. I, oh yeah, well, long many many discussions about exactly the lenses I want. How um, so? Are you do do you have tilt shift lenses now or is there not quite? But not quite. I, basically, I said I do not want reading glasses. Like there's no difference for me taking off my glasses and looking at the screen. It's all, right. all super sharp. Everything from about six, eight inches to ten feet, eight to ten feet is crystal clear. All right, because Everything because those, that, those won't squeeze, so they won't really adapt finely anymore, right? No, it's a very small prescription for distance. In other words, I could drive without glasses. It's just a little fuzzy on the distance. When I put oh, I on the glasses, it sharpens up. So it's like high school nearsightedness is, is how I would describe it. Um, but I got to choose. I said, you know, he said, 
you can make you, you however you want to adapt it. And they did la- we did it very sophisticated. They did laser measurements and they constructed the the uh, the shape of the lens to the astigmatism and all of that. And but so they can't they can't give lenses. you like Terminator lenses that you can X-ray through things and that kind of stuff. That's not. By the way, not yet. But um, I have I have uh, glaucoma, which yeah. I've never. It's never manifested. But that increased pressure on the back of the eye will eventually uh, create a condition where you'll lose peripheral vision. Uh, I haven't had any of that over the course of my life, but they put in a stent in my lenses that allows more drainage, reduce the pressure, and uh, to reduce any effect of the pressure on glaucoma. So not only do I have lenses, but a I have dra- A drain plug in your eyes now. <laughs> That's exactly right, and That's cool. you know, we're we're very close to putting in um, a chip oh. lens there. There's there's a company um, out there that is now has a prototype of a contact lens that has AR Probably. built in. So sure. they 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 made their own display that is built into the lens. There's a battery in the lens. There's a gyroscope in the lens, so it can know when you turn your head and mm-hmm. keep things that are projected in front of you at their place without moving. So the this is this, yes, we will have AR contact lenses at one point. Yeah. So as, anyway, it's been a very, very positive experience. Uh, it was very non-traumatic. The the process. The first eye was, right. I was a bit flipped out, <laughs> but because this is my living, this is how I I live. Of course. Um, and, but it was such a good experience. Literally coming back from surgery, an hour later, um, I could see there was no. You know, no pain and, and no heavy lifting sharp. for a few weeks, right? Yeah, no, no standing on your head—that's for sure. Uh, no poking yourself in the eye, and uh, you know, you sleep with a little uh, cup for a week to make sure you don't hit yourself. Sure. But uh, so that's it. So um, I've been having fun with my new lenses, and um, also I, I just ordered the new iPhone. <laughs> 48 <laughs> megapixels yay 48 uh, megapixels this is the old iphone right this is the 12 <laughs> ancient history uh, see i'm one of the 13 i always skip a generation so i'm not I, for a new one until the 15 see i do i do the same 12 to 14 14 so but any, 48 any, megapixels yeah, that's going to be fun. So anyway, the the the, the main thing we we we, we, don't, we want to talk about today is the thing that while I've not been here on the show for a while, um you and I have been in contact and sending back and forth little emails with attachments which were typically pictures. Yeah, and- I don't know why it's ringing. <laughs> Hold on. It's my daughter. That's a very okay. important. So Sorry. so uh, we really We've been sending messages back and forth with um, pictures attached, and those pictures were not real pictures. Or are they real? Can we call them real? We've been both playing with um, with uh, stable diffusion, with the new yeah. image generator. How do we call these things anyway? Image generator, right? Yeah. Uh, is there an official term? AI image maker kind of tool. So, yeah, we've been both playing with that, and um, we've had a lot of fun. And um, we've both explored them in different ways. And uh, we've both, I think, 
been diving pretty deep into the into the voodoo and art and alchemy of prompt engineering, right? Very, that's very, very well described. I mean, I think we're both of us doing the um, comparative inputs on stable diffusion, DALI, and Midjourney. Uh, each of them are are different. They each of them can produce different kinds of quality, different kinds of leaning towards painting, leaning towards realism. Uh, they're trained more or less the same, but not exactly the same. So their inputs are generating different outputs. Um, I I've also been playing just for the hell of it with uh, Starry AI on my phone, just because it's so easy. You know, with two minutes, you can generate something. Um, but what I've what I've been finding is the prompt creation certainly is uh, an enormous factor, uh, but the parameters, control of parameters, is the key to any kind of of. I'm going to say control with quotation marks. Yeah, but it's Good. it's the allocation, and I. I have put as a pick, you'll see later, uh, my new, um, one of my new websites, which has a lot of this work. And I, I did a little piece on, uh, I made an artist statement on the relationship between uh, man and machine. Um, machines, of course, uh, as, as we know, have no experience of the world. Uh, it may know what a tree is. Uh, visually, but it doesn't understand what a tree is in the ecology or its significance, its energy, all of the rest. Right. It's, um, it's mimicking. So it's mimicking what it knows, pretty much. That's right. And and so to create art, you need to get the experience, the intuition, in between the man and machine, so that the shape of it um, can be adapted. I I heard a very good comparison by the um, by the guy Emad Mostak, the guy behind Stable yeah. Diffusion, who uh, in a in a podcast uh, talked about um, like there's three different levels that he talks about. The first level is like interpolation. You have an AI, you tell it, give me an average cat, and it's it has seen five thousand cats, and it'll give you an average of those. The second would be an extrapolation. Uh, give me a new type of cat, and it will uh, extrapolate from all the cat pictures it knows and create a new type of cat that's not in the data set. And the third one is, um, um, let's say, create a new game, one that hasn't been there before, or create a new animal, one that hasn't been there before. And that's where the creativity will lack of these things. They can't really come up with something really new. They only have what they know, or they only can do what they have um, and extrapolate from that. So what we're seeing is a lot of good, good, really good extrapolation in different styles and things. Um, uh, but that in itself is way more than most people can do in with uh, the, with the skills they have. So, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, my very first uh, solo show, I think it was 1974, was a series of, of close-up portraits done large format of artists, uh, and, and I tried to have no expression, yeah. nothing coming from them. Uh, it was really called the topography of something, I forget. And I had an amazing writer describe uh, the topography of a portrait. And that was the poster. There was no image on it. Right. It was just linguistic. And this was 
years and years ago. For that purpose, if you've never seen a face but are describing what a face yeah. is in words, what would that be? Um, full circle here. This would make a good becomes, prompt, wouldn't it? It would. Um, I'm trying to find that poster. <laughs> but um, I do think that creating a new animal is possible, but you would have to describe how that works. In detail, yes. I mean, you can, you can for example, you can combine animals like... Uh, uh, yeah. a tortoise with a cat's head or something yeah. like that is definitely possible. Um, let's just let's just take a quick look at stable diffusion just for people who are watching the video just to get an idea of what this thing looks like. Here's one of the interfaces. Uh, it's open source so you can download it and run it on your own graphics card if you are so inclined. It's a bit techy still, but there will be a lot of tools. But in general, what you get is a... a and a box at the bottom where you enter a prompt. Let's say uh, turtles with a cat's head. Let's try that. Um, and then on the right hand side it gives you some, um, let's say some some controls, which is different from what you get from Dali, where you get don't get any control pretty much. Um, so let's make four with a low calculation amount because that makes it really fast. So here's our tortoise with a cat's head not entirely <laughs> but let's let's choose that first one and again this is normally a process that takes you like two three four five or ten iterations so we're just doing a quick one year yeah that does not look too bad does it well it doesn't look too bad for a cat but uh, <laughs> well <laughs> uh, the, the, the I, I think it's a it's quite amazing um you know, and, and we'll discuss a little bit later what sampler means and all of those models and yeah. seeds. But but I had a, you know, I've been having a discussion with, with people more of an, in a way, a, a, an argument because some people say, well, you know, these are uh, appropriated images and why aren't artists being compensated, etc. I said, no, they're, they're not appropriated images. That's a big ethics discussion. It, what we have to make sure people understand is that this is not a search engine. It's not going out and looking at the millions and millions of pictures and then just pieces things together in a collage. That's not what it's doing, right? No. No, uh, you know, the whole point is, you know, and they were going, why are, why are these um, machines stealing from artists, etc.? And I'm saying, well, if, you, if you're talking about style, um, all artists, like Flemish painting, how many great Flemish painters are there that are all painting in the same style? Um, cartoons, oh, if, everyone if evolves. I, if I want to learn a, a, a craft or an art, I will begin by copying existing styles, existing artists. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much the same process. Isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I explained uh, to you know to my friend. I said, if you say that any uh, work that is used to train the uh, the clip, the gans, the you know the the process of learning, that would mean that any time a professor references an artist's work to a student, that that artist should be compensated. I I said. The whole evolution of of art, and and by the way, artists' imagery are only a very, very, very tiny percentage of the sweep of the machine learning, because the machine learning is just going into the web writ large and scouring for tagged imagery. 
In images words, that have titles and, and, and descriptions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's right. If it sees a cat image that says horse, it's just going to assume that's a horse. It's It'll put it in the horse part of the data set. Yeah, and then exactly that's why right. you might end up with a, with a horse head if you're trying to get a cat sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And it's using Perlin noise initially, just a jumble of Perlin noise, and then drawing out from its memory in steps, which is why we can control the steps. More steps, less steps, doesn't mean it's going to be a more effective image. It's just how much it iterates to achieve that. There's a very good um, video out there. It's months old, but uh, by Vox. And they describe how these things work in a way that is easy to understand for everyone. And the one thing they define, they talk about this latent space in which things are stored. And uh, and and they, they explain this in a way that there are like areas that define what catness is like and there's areas that define what hoarseness is like and what turdousness is like and by by moving around in this latent space you pretty much can retrieve it's like a database you can retrieve things that have a high degree of catness with mixed with some degree of hoarseness or tortoiseness. Yes. So it this I'll I'll link the video in the show notes because that is really, really interesting. Um yeah. It's very, very difficult to describe to people the process yeah. of machine learning into and, an output of a and visual. That video does it really well. So um, oh, that's definitely one to watch. Uh, Good. I will so, use it. so let's look at a few pictures because sure. what do you do with these things? Of course, initially, uh, the things that I tried were just like weird stuff that surreal stuff, stuff that doesn't exist, stuff that there's no imagery about as in a tortoise with a cat's head um, or a bear on a slack line holding a small green umbrella while playing the trumpet, that kind of stuff. So, um and then at at one point, um, you you started sending me like pictures that looked like more as if they were parts of a project kind of thing, and uh, I, I yeah, you'll see. I didn't understand what you work like, so I was going a bit towards a project approach too. And then I thought, yeah. I let me let me let me do something that um, wasn't really well. Anyway, let, let me just show you because um, I started making a movie so which is your your genre but uh, i i was i was uh, looking at uh, trying to create imagery from a movie that doesn't exist so i tried different prompts and uh, here's a an old man in his looks like a lab it's very very i don't know looks gilliam sort of um I have to admit, Gilliam was part of the prompt, <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of borrowed from Gilliam's style. And I and I put imagery together that just, yeah, that I thought might be part of a movie. And then when you put all these together, like here's three men looking, standing at the sea, very, I don't know, looking very um, grim. Grim, yeah. Uh, while while wearing interesting haircuts and beards, um, here's a here's a library with old wood and interestingly shaped doors. Um, there's another man working on some contraption. Um, here's a whole bunch of people in bunny suits, looking like like hazmat. Uh, something might have happened. Um, 
a bunch of women standing in a greenhouse. Like, like really putting together something visual that I'm now trying to find a story about, you know? <laughs> when, 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 you do, when you make a movie, is, what's your approach? Do you write first or you do think of the visuals first? Or is that... No, is that no I mean, you may have a visual that inspires something, but no more than a piece of music can inspire you right. uh, on a story as well. Right. Uh, no, we, we start with the word. So I'm which, I'm doing this is, I'm doing this ass backwards here. <laughs> what's interesting is I mean, of course I'm you know focused on how how do I make art using AI that 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 is my absolute focused goal. So yeah. one image does not uh, an artist make. I mean, you know yeah, now we look we look at the plethora of, of so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of AI imagery coming out and, and people are going, that's not art, that's really bad art. And I'm saying, well, you know, how many uh, velvet paintings of, of dogs and, you know, bad art exists, commercial, decorative, call it bad art, uh, exists in, in the world. I mean, it, it's not going to be any different. Um, the point is, what is your, I've always said this, what is your intention? What is the process? And how do you infuse those images with feeling, emotion, and a uniqueness to the human condition? That's where the artist comes in between the technology and the output. And without that visceralness, I think, you, you know, it's a random you know, random act. We could talk about the the, the work that won some prize uh, the other day. There was day, one which, image that made a first prize in a in a what was that? A yeah. country fair, or county fair, yeah, or like that. Right, beat out twenty five artists because, and the judges said, "Well, no, this this work is to us. It evokes looks something. better." Yeah, but but you know, uh, upon, to do that as a intention and the person who created that was a person uh, who was designing games and, and and universes and comics so so they all obviously had some some um, aesthetic uh, intention there uh, in terms of world building but I, I I think the use of these things is very very interesting because I can see it used for set design and I have an example of something that I've Used for for operatic set design, I think. Should we just bring that up? Sure. Bring that up. Let's bring that up here. Here we go. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. This yeah, is something. It, uh, I, I could I could totally imagine that as a yeah as a as a a stage of some sort or a set of some sort. Um, yeah, that's I what was it trying like. to. Yeah, I was trying to get to an uh, a set that would work on a proscenium stage uh, for an opera. Um, something very, very grand visually. Um, it, and it took many iterations to kind of focus it and make it uh, reasonably symmetrical. So um, uh, process, process, quick, quick word about the process. So you, um, you, what do you, what do you think? How many iterations did you, did you optimize your prompt to get to this result? Uh, probably took me 20 Oh, that's not Maybe. too bad. That's not too bad. No, it wasn't bad, but, but by the time I got to use this, um, um, I feel very, more or less, I want to say in control of the problem. I know what could go wrong. 
How many and, um, how many uh, artificial pictures using AI have you made in the last three weeks? Just a gut feel. Number. Hundreds. Hundreds, right? It, it maybe take, a couple it takes hundred. Training. Maybe a couple of hundred. It takes training, though, right? You have to be. Oh, yeah. You have to you have to fall flat on your face several times until you start understanding how to how to do this, and uh, also until you start de uh, discovering some of the tools that can help you do it. So, well, that, I think the tools, which I will call the 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 um, parameters, and and they work differently in each. Uh, I found I've I've created a work, for example, in uh, stable diffusion, uh, which actually just just introduced yesterday, I think, uh, in an outpainting. But then I would feed it to Dali and do outpainting and expand it. So take that image, upload it, and then edit it to expand it in terms of size. Right. Um, so I've been, I've been kind of interplaying some of these, um, you know, some of these uh, AI machines uh, to work with each other where one will not have a tool the other has, I think eventually they will all pretty well, pretty well have the same kind of tool set. Yes. And I think what will distinguish them is an overall aesthetic. I think mid-journey tends to go to pretty. Well, you know words, what? So you, are you aware that the latest beta of mid-journey uses stable diffusion under the hood? Yeah, one point five. Yes. So we are we are we are already seeing some convergence here, and stable yeah. diffusion being open source is probably going to be the one that you will see most everywhere. I think so. And by the way, I I, I think that's a good thing because their attitude globally, um, it's a good one. Is really it's a really good one. They are into education worldwide. Open it up. It's it's all about liberating the educational process. So this is it, it, the this is only the first step. The AI and art and visual is only a step because he really wants to use AI if to solve problems. How how can you train a machine to solve problems that man's uh, there's, intelligence there's cannot yet change? Yes, and they also have a very good offering for researchers who become part of the process. So I think that's. Uh, that's interesting. You also did some crystals. I like those. Yes, uh, I've mislabeled them. One I did with uh, the. Uh, again, it's hard to see this because it's a little fuzzy um, in terms of what what I'm seeing. But one of them has a lot of crisp, crackly detail. That's the detailed one uh, here. And that one was uh, Mid Journey. And then I did this. Uh, then I took that image, fed it into uh, Dali. With exactly the same parameter, and I got interesting. The other image. Which this was looks more. This looks way more like a microscope, uh, microscope <laughs> picture of a weirdly shaped grain of salt that doesn't exist that way. Yeah, I mean the prompt was, uh, you know, basically macro shot uh, detail, right. uh, hard light coming through the facets of a diamond. Yeah. Um. Now look at this, which is this is Delhi. Same. Um, this is <laughs> I guess a different system. More romantic. Problem. Yeah, the more romantic version. Some people may you know like one over the other. Um, I think sure. both of us are trying to fool the machine into trying to create 
a photorealistic image. And that's, that, what that's it's, been uh, my what it's about my most goal. of the time. Yeah. Then yeah. you had some some back 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 roads, back streets. Yeah. Now I did this on Starry AI, which is you know not one of the big fabulous. Ah. You know, th this was done on I'm going to say on a consumer based iPhone app, um, and the input was really snowbound uh, Brooklyn alley. Uh, that's it. I just wanted to see what it would generate. And it, it, the, these two images came out of the iterations. That is wild. Um, yeah, I was kind of inspired by your throwdown of, uh, of the <laughs> of snow <an> empty street. <laughs> you know, um, but, but interesting because um, I think in a, in a few months um, on my site, I have... Um, I have an I, I'm, that I'm, a project that I'm working on, which is very much inspired um, by our history here in the U.S., um, right. and it's all about photorealistic historical. And um, it's not ready for prime time yet, but um, it moves in. There, there are images that are shocking; they are so realistically surreal. Um, so I'm I'm working on that, but. I got to a certain place and I I realized that I really need to drill down on each and every one of these parameters so that I can adjust it in micro levels to, to see what happens. And then, of course, I'm now running, I'm sure you are, um, a stable diffusion inside of Photoshop. Um, I don't, I don't, I didn't get the plug-in just yet, but... Um could could of course do it. Um, the the one thing the the first one of the first pictures that I made with Stable Diffusion is the one that instantly sold me on it, and I've showed this somewhere else. And it's yeah. the it's the it's the monochrome frog with big eyes, ultra close, looking at the camera. And I was so shocked when I saw that because it yeah. was very close to what I envisioned without an extensive prompt. It was a very a rather simple prompt. Um, that that yielded that, and the the output that thing can produce, and most of them now can produce. Um, even crayon is getting better; um, it's improving yeah. over time. Um, and then you end up with like uh, painting painterly stuff that again is 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 mind blowing. It doesn't do hands well. I have to no, say that. Though they say um, they've improved hands in this new uh, the, generation. The extremities <laughs> are not easy. So that's an example of nine different types of hands. They have too many fingers or not enough or have, are misshapen. But um, they are working on that because, of course, hands are very, a very expressive part of photos. Um, the prompt building process, this is a... Of painting of a of a cityscape with neon green lights and uh, and things. Uh, the amount of prompts I went through here's here's the some of the pictures that I went through uh, to get to that and and I found it very interesting to get this get get very different similar but still different results from uh, from a prompt and then to choose one and then drill down into that. That's kind of the that's yeah. what what I find interesting because you you come from uh well your prompt defines the overall let's say the overall feeling of the picture but then you will still start from a from a state of randomness to some extent and then pick one 
that fits well and then where you like the composition so the composition it's hard to really uh, define the composition unless you use the latest feature of these things which is image to image which I don't, I don't have anything prepared there but you can now with these systems uh, take a source image let's say a simple a simple crayon children's drawing um, and then put that in and tell the system make this into a proper picture a photo and that transformation into a different picture is um, very it, it gives you a lot of control I've seen people use that for example to fix hands that didn't turn out because um, what I saw is someone just uh, rendering a, an ent entire big picture and then take all the hands and individually replace them with new hands that are based on an image of a hand so that would fit the style and then put him back in the original image very very uh, very wild type of effect I wonder if uh, we've tried to do that with faces um, yes, does work. And, so for example if you uh, edit by just erasing all the faces in a piece and just uploading a face and say replace faces with image make make one like this that fits in there by the way here's my here's my snow picture that's uh again i was very very happy with how this turned out because it really sure. has the has has the snow in the air lit up so it gives you that yeah it's a photo but um, yeah. has a lot of depth to it with uh, the, the lights and everything. Night, night. We also have to remind everybody that these are such early days. Oh yeah, this, this is, is the, the daguerreotype. This is the daguerreotype. Even this is before. a few weeks old for for the public. This is a few weeks old. We're we're talking. Uh, I I said this on tips from the top floor, which by the way has resumed. So if you're not aware of, uh, if you thought uh, the the future of photography was the only place I appear, um, no tips from the top floor. <laughs> the original is back and it's weekly now. Um, anyway, I talked about um, this on there, and I the term I really like that ex that describes this well is the Cambrian explosion. What we're seeing is an, an explosion of creativity of people using that open source system and putting tools around, building new tools, building new infrastructure around it, um, and integrating it into all sorts of different systems and apps and building plugins. And uh, there's a prompt search engine. There's a prompt generator out there that can help you pick together a prompt based on different styles and attributes and so on. So even those who who lack the imagination of creating the proper prompt can still uh, get inspiration and, and get some help in building these things. So there's yeah, in fact, amazing amount of in, stuff. In fact, there. Stable Diffusion, one of their uh, intentions is what happens when you have a billion artists. Yes. What happens to art when you have two billion artists? But, Why know, does it have to be? We've seen this. We've seen this plenty of times in the past. I mean, just just a, a, a relatively recent example is when the when the PC came out and when people got access to desktop publishing software, and we ended up with with a, a flood of new designers, layouters who created a lot of stuff that 
was new, unique, some of it ugly. And then there was a lot of competition going on all of a sudden. And it, it kind of tears down the gates, you know? It opens up things, democratizes things in a way that... Yeah. Uh, that that I've seen several times uh, or many times uh, in my lifetime. Well, the, the iPhone more is a good those. example too, right? The iPhone. Uh, you know, when the iPhone really reached its kind of huge global status, it turned everyone into reporters, reportage, artists, uh, oh, filmmakers, producers, podcasters, all, everything, yeah. All of that. And, and, and so... You know, as usual, it's always a smaller percentage of, depending on where you're approaching it from, there's always a smaller percentage who are making it elevated or amazing. I think it was Picasso that said that uh, the earliest um, creators of new styles um, are the ones that aren't responsible for the beautification of that style that comes later and there's a big show on uh wolfgang tillman's right now going on in new york um whose work when when he came on the scene his work was so unusual as an artist photographer um that people didn't even pay attention to him because he'd throw up stuff small big black and white abstract rip but now over the years he's like all I think he's influenced hundreds of thousands of photographers and freed them to to kind of tune that kind of aesthetic. And so it, you know, just saying, oh, yeah, you know, you type in uh, Donald Trump uh, with the body of SpongeBob SquarePants and you get an image and you go, isn't that cool? Well, that's something, depending on who the artist is or who the creator is and how that fits into the greater culture, also determines its impact on the culture. If it's a one-off disappearing into the ether or is it part of a larger uh, work, like Murakami's work, which would be a very interesting uh, example of how that kind of flat art then started to emerge into a greater aesthetic and has influenced many. So we're early, early, early is what I am trying to say. And both of us really embrace that. And that's why it's so exciting because you don't really know. You want to follow these threads. Um, there's there's no playbook on how this is going to play out in the end, um, at least not, not a specific one for exactly that case. So Right. Let's keep watching it. Let's keep playing with it. Sure. Everyone can now play with this. Streamstudio.ai is a good place to get started. Um, if you want to play with these tools, you can go to crayon.ai. Uh, we'll link that. Where Starry AI, too. Some Starry of them are free. AI, yeah. Some of them have a, a small uh, fee. Some of them a bigger fee. Right. You know. So, yeah, it's it's. I think it's worth at least having a look at these things and uh, giving them a bit of a shake. So... With that, let's get to the picks of the week. Um, you have a new website. Uh, yeah, um, oh, I've, I've kind of, I've, you know, look at it. <laughs> um, this, is, this is the work that I've been doing in AI that I think is, is an intention that, that I 
am focused on. If you go to go to machine state, okay, here's a gallery. Um, This is part of a piece on uh, a machine's vision of biology. I love this. (laughs) And so I wanted to be the human made up of cells and organic material, uh, to be the interpreter between a machine and biological processes. Um, And this represents a lot of work. I can tell that this is not just one simple prompt and then take some results. No, this was, uh, there are, I mean, I I think I have 50 up here, but I haven't, I have, probably a hundred that I I've done. Yeah. Um, and these are not like push a button. <laughs> no, no. And, and of course the, the, the process that you have as an artist, which is the editorial process, the culling, the deciding what to show and especially what not to show that is still your decision. The machine didn't do that. You, uh, you spent time and you had to go by, by your vision, your gut feel to say, this is the one I want to put on there. And these are yeah, the go to machine that state. I don't want to put in there. Machine state. Let me find Machine that. state is interesting because it's a little more humorous. Where is machine state? Seven. Right on the left. The left. left oh, the, the first the one. Biology. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. What? <laughs> what's, what's that about? That's a, that's a, that's a person robot mix with, Weird heads that are parts of buildings? Yeah, this is the humanization. This is kind of the reverse of... This is a human bread box. (laughs) The humanization of robotics in what I would consider the most bland contexts. Right. (laughs) And uh, the Um, the pictures look like... Well, they are they are photographic, but not quite. They look very right. 1990s, 1900s. Yeah, early photography of characters on the street, and as you go through them, you start to humanize them in an odd way. Yeah, uh, they become characters in and of themselves, and that's something that. The machine itself can't do that automatically. You have to invest the the parameter, I would say, and, and just orchestrate it so that it eventually starts to feel or intuit something real. These are a little different. These are done. Uh, these are not AI. These are done uh, procedurally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with different software and um, iterative. I've, I've just started animating these together too, which are interesting. Um, Seven Mortal Gods is interesting in that um, this was an experiment. Uh, this was we're, my we're first at, experiment. We're looking at the heads of statues in a, in a light box kind of. That's it. This is Dali, by the way. And um, th- this is the first experience that I did in, in kind of accomplishing an intention um, of, of referencing sort of classical and futuristic or present day, whatever you want to call it. I mean, one, one thing's for sure. It helps to have a vision. It helps to have an idea of what you want to do. This did not happen just by accident. You had to have this idea 
plug it into the system yeah. and then take it from Figure there. Figure out how to get it, how to get it uh, right. This is the funniest one because this, this one really came out of that kind of pop culture <laughs> mixed with the pop aesthetic face, you know, yeah. relative to this, which is a more classical one. And then finally, uh, the still life is uh, an attempt at... Classical still Classical a photographic ball. approach. Fruit pole with pears made of the fruit. So the impression, obviously, when you look at it, is like these look pretty real. But on careful examination, <laughs> what are these fruits and plants? This, and this reminds me of, of I did this little experiment with Dali where I made it. Uh, I had it make uh, the, the the title page of a magazine dealing with alien fruit. And it came up with some really yeah. weirdly shaped, pointy, yeah, sure. prickly, thorny kind of things that I've never seen in my life. And, you know, these I did do a little bit of work uh, in Photoshop or, or Lightroom just in terms of some contrast control. Right. And... Um, the 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 the, the int I mean one thing everyone has to be clear about is this what you what you get out of these systems is not necessarily the final product you can still composite you can still edit you can still clean it up you can still do whatever you want to do in photoshop affinity photo and so on um no nothing stops you from doing that uh cleaning up things or or bending them to your will a bit further um, so that's often the process that you see is that this AI generation, like with a Photoshop plugin, might just be the starting point or something that supplements something that's already there. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think that one of the first things that I'm going to try and do with the Photoshop is uh, create an environment with a person and then photograph uh, one of my friends with the same light and really integrate them into that environment. You can use them as the basis for an image-to-image -image transformation, so to, to apply the style to that yeah, person. So. Try and do that. Anyway, my pick of the week is uh, Promptmania. Promptmania.com is, is a prompt builder that will help you put a prompt together, and it supports Midjourney, Dream Studio, Stable Diffusion. So if you go in there, um, I don't know, cat, no tortoise with with the head of a cat and then you get to add some details like what art medium let's make this a pencil drawing then you get the choice of different kinds of styles and then it'll uh, here's charcoal art for example and then you could get I don't know make this um Let's say make this a banner style, then material-wise make it make it out of wax, <laughs> and so on. You end up you end up with a, a prompt that you can then use in these systems as as a starting point. It's not necessarily the 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 final result, but it helps you achieve a starting point with some modifications. Some uh, who said that recently? Someone wrote um, these things you add to things like the 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 parameters like high resolution, lots of detail, these kind of things. Yeah, those are, they call them those vitamin, are prompt, vitamin words. 
Those are vitamins the vitamins you like put it. on your prompts. And I use a lot of those. You know, of trending course, on art station is a very, very helpful one, by the way. Or, or if you want to make someone really unhappy, add um, uh, uh, illustration by Greg Rutowski. <laughs> I never, I never knew who he is. He is now part of many prompts because he has a very distinct style and uh, using, using or mimicking Greg Rutowski's style is um, yields interesting results. So people see, and that's the ethical, ethical that's the ethical dilemma. Question, yes. But uh, so he's also very outspoken I, you know, about not liking this. So, but, but the thing is, if you don't want your work to be part of the machine learning experience, you must take it, remove it from all social media, all media, electronic and otherwise, keep it in your closet and never show it, never publish it. you'll never be, be famous Copied. anyway. Yeah. That's right. So uh, I think being afraid of influencing, because these are not copies of the work, they are influenced by the style, but no style of any artist is a unique style. It all is an evolution. And uh, embracing that evolution is where we find ourselves in history. And that's why this is exciting. So I don't, you know, I, I having worked in art appropriation on my other site, which is, you know, in street level photography in gaming, um, I know all about, you know, appropriated art that twists it and gives it recontextualizing. Right. Um, I don't copy it. I use it to take it to another level or shift the medium. But I just I just found a way to become rich and famous. I'll do oh. art art with AI in the style of Jeremiah Chechik. How about there that? There you go. Yeah. There you go. No lawsuit necessary. I'll be the new Jeremiah. <laughs> there I'm, you go. I found this really impressive, your, your website, your new uh, generative AI art website. So yeah. there's lots and there. lots to come. Lots and lots to come. We're, as you said, very early. There's, yeah, we're at the daguerreotype state. Very true. So yeah, let's uh, play with these tools and see where they take us. They are tools. They are tools. They help us, and uh, it's still They're us tools. who feed them with what we want. Anyway, this was just it. like the James Webb. <laughs> it's very true. We'll be back soon with more. Uh, check us out online and of course on the web. Until next week. been listening to The Future of Photography. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.